I've been thinking we're called human resources. Mm. We're resources. Like, yeah. you know, as if you can just dig us up. And it's just a constant <laughs> reminder that we're so manufactured yes. and we're so, um, we're so expendable. It just reminds me, oh, Marin, she broke her armor. She broke something like as a, as a piece of item you broke. Let's get another one, yes. you know, off the shelf. That's why I think it's so funny is my dad has always called it human remains. <laughs> and I think that's why I think of the same thing. It's like you are a resource and it's like, and then on the other side, we have this movement of human centered design, but it's all to make us consume. Hi everyone. My name is Valerie and I'm Marin. and welcome to the modern idealist, a podcast for career driven professionals looking to make an impact. Welcome back to another episode of Modern Idealist. This is episode nine. Marin, do you know what that means? We are getting close to 10 episodes. It might not sound like much, but from you know the idea stage to concept to production planning, editing and engaging our listeners, we've learned so much already. It's been almost a year well, 10 months since, you know, I first ran this by you. I remembered it was just an idea then. Um, and we've sort of come so far already and we've learned so much. Um, so I do think it's something to celebrate. Did you know that more than a quarter of episodes out there just have one episode? Are we celebrating, you know? Or- Are we celebrating too soon? Mm. No, I don't think so. I think I, I just feel like I wish I had one of these party poppers. I could be like, <laughs> This is a really, this is cool. Like here we are sitting in now, you know, with some actual proper swanky mm-hmm. podcast gear. Exactly. So, yeah. A study that sources their data from the podcast industry shows that 26% of podcasts, Apple podcasts, which sends a pretty good benchmark for the entire market are just one episode. And more importantly for us, I think it is that only about or a little bit more than a third of the podcasts out there make it to 10 episodes. So we are getting really close. And, you know, going back to if we're celebrating too soon, maybe it gives us just that much pressure to deliver. So stay tuned to find out if we make it there into that persevering third of podcasts. I know for people listening, they might think we're being ridiculous for being, um, you know, so or for sort of celebrating such a little milestone but clearly the stats speaks for itself and we've learned that this content creation does encompass a lot more work Um, i don't want to come off sounding like i'm complaining but this has seriously been some of the most joyful work i've done hear hear totally share your sentiments this is a great place to you know, kick us off into our little reflection today and how we've connected with our listeners. Uh, We really want to, you know, sort of reflect and look backward into how we've connected with our listeners. And so I'm just really excited about the amount of people who have tuned in from all over the world. I mean, 27 countries, I'm in awe. What I found most rewarding about this is that it shows the amount of like-minded people out there who care about this topic and care about, you know, impact, living responsibly while navigating this absolutely crazy world that just keeps throwing curveballs our way. I'm learning so much as I'm exploring these topics and hearing from you guys, the listeners out there, wide spectrum of people that live between these ideals. So for me, that connection is what really keeps that fire alive for me. So thank you out there. Uh, And I hope, you know, we're doing that for each other, really. This type of connection is what um, motivates us. It's not always easy to find people, you know, and people you can discuss these topics with that share this genuine connection. Uh, Secondly, people who really care about it and not just care because what gives us more of that deep connection rather is that we're willing to like dig deep together and, you know, search inwardly. And I think we're all curious for that search. I love that about us. When you first pitched the idea of the podcast to me, I just straight away, I knew that there was a need for it. And, you know, I hear a lot of business ideas or new projects. I was thinking about it. It's probably on a weekly basis, at least, um, that I hear different ideas. And one of the things that I find is a big part of bringing any idea to life is timing and the commitment 
to see it through. And I could definitely see the timing for this, especially off the back of it's Corona. You know, there was increasing awareness of the climate crisis, strikes, BLM, protests. And I think during Corona, um, people have been turning inward and reflecting on how they can do better or act better and just in general become more informed citizens. And for me, I knew that your level of commitment, you know, like I said, timing and commitment are big things. It was like I knew uh, that you would see it through. And um, I think also knowing that people like us need a space to talk about these dilemmas when it comes to how to do something impactful with your life and also wanting to have a good lifestyle as well. And there are constant paradoxes and trade-offs. And like you said before, this bias to action, you and I both share this overwhelming sense of urgency to do something with the information we have. It's like we're born preachers when we read something or we experience something or learn uh, learn in whatever way. It's like, oh, how do I share this with someone else? How do I then <laughs> I wonder take that responsibility and share <laughs> I wonder if you're the born preacher. I think I, I think I'm a learned uh, preacher. <laughs> a learned preacher, whether it's born or learned, it's it's something I believe we both share in mm. this sense of urgency, really, mm. uh, to take responsibility. And then, so when you asked me to be the co-host, I was like, oh my gosh, like you know, I was so excited, and I felt like it was just a natural extension of our conversations. As we talk about things like balancing purpose and passion, knowing how to use your skills, where to use them, how you can make money, and also um, the most important part is how to how that all ties in with doing good in the world. Which we've talked about that with the principle of ikigai. This is what we're talking about more or less in episode three, and these are all constant struggles. And I'm so glad that after you know less than a year of kicking this off that we've had this great feedback that people share the sentiments that we're feeling and often when you're doing a business you're not necessarily your target audience thinking about yourself as your own client is something where you can run into trouble but Mm -hmm. what I love about the podcast is we are our own listeners in a way yeah I like that you said yesterday you know we do a lot of mental work um, and that makes other impact entrepreneurs or just any entrepreneurs out there, people out there who are trying to drive change, you know, there's a lot of work we do externally, but there's also a lot of work we do internally. And that's sort of the, one of those moments potentially when we're, you know, servicing ourselves. And I think we need to remind ourselves that no matter how much good we're doing out there, it's only sustainable to do that good work if you take care of yourself and this is something we're you know only touching on ourselves and we often forget like you came yesterday you know looking dead shot <laughs> I'm sorry you looked great oh, but gosh, you know we like all understood yeah. <laughs> so I think we even if we're like so conscious about it we can forget that mm. so it's good that we keep discussing it and keep exploring it and you know, hopefully our audience and listeners are doing the same. One of the things that you talked about is the mental work. And we've spoken about why can't we just be these kinds of people who just don't really think about, you know, this sounds terrible to say out loud, but we do have these conversations of why do we have to care so much? Like, can't we just live in this ignorant, you know, blissful bubble, which again, there's probably no such thing as, and even if you are not putting in the work, you're still that ignorance is not blissful Mm. but we talked about the psychological theory this Kohlberg seven stages of moral development and there's you know in the first couple of stages it's this pre-conventional thinking where you know you don't know the rules and um, it could be yeah a child is walking towards an electric powerpoint and then you have to say no you can't do it the next one is like convention of we do things because this is the conventional thing to do we don't cross the road when the light is red we you know maybe we get married and have kids and da 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 and then post-conventional you know there's much more of a deep dive into this but the post-conventional is challenging all the conventional things and even if you come back to those conventions and you say okay well there is a place maybe for having children or getting married or whatever that dilemma that you're having is doing the mental work to be able to reflect on it 
it's you're doing it in so many areas of your life which I think makes you a better citizen and more impactful and I just think that's a very important thing for us and our listeners we're doing the mental work as well as putting the actions in place yeah exactly and I remember yesterday I was like oh I did all this mental work only to be in square one um but I think that's what you were getting at is in a way it's it's not it's not square one like we've progressed so much uh in internally okay so i'm very conscious of time and we're going to move on into a very important and great segment that i want to get into because uh since we've launched we've heard a lot of great feedback from our listeners and people who sent us wonderful messages strangers and friends acquaintances i've been really impressed and thankful to so many of these people uh, who have reached out to us personally to share their thoughts and left us messages that contained ideas that really pinpointed things that they how in terms of how they felt and i think that always comes back to this connection that we're looking to create here Mm. it's been so awesome to have people just come on this journey with us because i think we're still working out what that journey looks like it was okay here's the Here's the problem that we want to discuss or the challenges we want to discuss. And the fact that we've had um, people connecting all over the world just blows me away. Yeah, so in terms of some of the feedback that we've received, I had one friend who was listening to episode three during her walk uh, in the forest. And she sent me later on a picture of her mapping out her ikigai. Uh, So this passion, purpose, what you're good at, what the world needs, how you can make money. Um, and that we really inspired her to try this. Another reached out to me on LinkedIn and she said, just listen to you on The Modern Idealist. Fantastic. Thank you for your impact. Truly appreciate you. So that was really encouraging. That was, I think, the second episode by the second one she reached out. A guy from my MBA wrote that he had stumbled across the podcast this week so great to hear your voice and know that your insightful purposeful analysis is still intact (laughs) which um, that was pretty cool and then uh, another wrote in relation to episode five love 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 this interesting topic about cancel culture which I didn't know much about until listening to this episode thank you for sharing Valerie and Marin so and another one that we received was um, that we got a message from the two of us was, you guys are truly amazing kvins, which means women, or kvinna, means woman in Norwegian, kvins and stars. Your new podcast is great. I've listened to all episodes and can relate so much to all the reflections and questions. And you both have great radio voices, side note. <laughs> I've always said I have a face for radio. <laughs> That's funny. <laughs> I think I just re- realized what that was. Um, yeah, me too. I've I've been shocked that that is a part of the feedback we got. That mm. our voices actually work. I mean, I, I don't know what would happen if it didn't work. I know. Sometimes <laughs> I feel like I'm high, though. I feel like listening to you. You're so like, hi. You know, I've got so much inflection in my voice, <laughs> and I wish I had that. And then I'm like listening to myself. I'm like, I sound like I've been smoking weed. Like this. <laughs> I really get the whole Australians coming across as very laid back because I can be a little bit lower and just (laughs) no it was perfect um I think the dynamics have been very good yes likewise you know I feel like my lack of deep you know baritone voice has really cost me at work in the boardrooms okay that was my impression of being a baritone (laughs) anyways um yes and likewise you know i'm i've heard from you know fellow impact startup listeners people who are just grinding like grinding like day in day out to create impact in their startup um and they said you know this is so relatable and thank you for your impact i mean just hearing from some of these who are uh, strangers and have now become friends i mean that's just uh very rewarding for me to hear that I didn't think this was going to create that type of impact. I mean, I hope that, you know, I've created a connection that can bond over with our listeners, but to know that the kind of work we're doing here is giving people that kind of fire as well in their stomachs to like keep doing their good work. That's just the most rewarding thing for me. Another listener who's just curious and is, you know, curious intellectually about 
um, different perspectives and always searching for other ideas out there said um, this podcast gave me a space to reflect on idealism and the different types of idealism what's it like being an idealist uh, reflecting on himself is he an idealist that's also really great to hear because this came from a friend and you know I know that uh, he doesn't have the kind of struggles that and dilemmas not say it's not let's not say struggles but dilemmas that we have um, in terms of impact and you know how much how ethical is it for me to spend a hundred dollars on donate donations for somebody who needs it as a meal versus you know upgrading my kitchen mm. <laughs> so I think people who don't have that kind of dilemma like for them to suddenly res uh, reflect on the idea of idealism in this world and how there are people out there like us I think it's really helpful um, especially in a world that's so competitive and our competition sometimes you know has really brought out like competition can be healthy sure that's great and that's the kind of system that we live in that's a kind of democratic system that we live in uh, but it somehow brings out people's elbows at some point mm. as well when we get so competitive and we lose sight of this collective good and we we know it's collective for us to be competitive but we kind of lose our balance sometimes mm. so i think for others to remember oh there are others out there who are very mindful is very helpful mm. to know just touching on what you said about this idea of not playing by these rules i think we've discussed this a lot of you know, by perpetuating the competitiveness or the way that the corporate juggernauts work in terms of building shareholder wealth or all of these things that have become familiar that we learn about in our MBAs or this kind of thing is very deconstructive to how we need to shape society to move forward. And it is, you know, having this frame of reference and being able to talk about these things and discuss them is where the shift starts happening. Because we know other people are having the discussions, other people are feeling the same way. But like your friend who said, oh, it's nice to understand how you guys are thinking, how people like you think. Obviously, there's a level of curiosity and openness and interest to engage. And that that still means something. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And so I just want to say to our listeners, if you have any comments, just leave us a message on social media, wherever your jam is we'll give you the links in the description but we would love to hear from you we don't want to have an echo chamber we want to get feedback and insights on how we can improve or if you've got ideas or suggestions exactly we we really want to grow on our topics and we really want to touch on perspectives that we're missing i mean this is the modern idealist and idealism lives in all of us and we really want to capture and be mindful that we're capturing different perspectives um, we had a friend who suggested that we dive more into the shame element around what happens when we fail to live up to our ideals, how to deal with these feelings. We've discussed trade-offs and a feeling, a sense of overwhelm at times. So we're keen to unpack that on the show as well. Mm. Nice. So on that note, let's reflect on what does it mean to be a modern idealist for us? Because since the beginning of this podcast, um, we have tried to define and describe by exploring what it means to be an, a modern idealist in this day and age. But we know that that will continuously, we're on this search, right? So we've talked about this since day one, and we know that as this podcast continues, we are growing with it mm. and our topics are growing with it. So I think this is a great time for us to reflect on what it means to be a modern idealist for us. Yeah, and like you said, we're going to be continuously evolving what it looks like. So it's kind of nice to just check in and what does it mean to us right now? Because it could be more expansive. It could be more refined as we move forward. Exactly. And that is our hope. I think, I think I, what I see more clearly now is all these questions that I had as, you know, very concrete trade-offs in this world in impact in ethics you know i've had more conversations and i think it's thanks to this podcast you know more and more people have come to me to to want to talk about these topics because they said even people who shared their thoughts saying that i've become a revelation for them i think because we're not talking about these kinds of topics all the time um and especially for me 
I mean, I'm not really sure, but it seems like I'm not always the best at, you know, pushing my voice through the room in the setting. And so I'm also surprised by so many people saying that they're surprised by my thoughts because sometimes in my head, I'm sort of wondering, is it because we just didn't have that kind of opportunity to cross paths and really give each, give each other the time of day? You know, we work in the startup world mm. or in the innovation world and everything is about pitching. So you meet somebody, it's like, what's your pitch? And it's like, I, I don't know if I have a pitch <laughs> or like, I have lots of big questions, but I, like, how do I pitch that all of these big questions in 90 seconds? And th- reflecting on that, like, I think instead of pitching back then, they were questions like ethical questions around you know, somebody mentioned to me the other day that in studying ethics, you know, they learned from the professor, you can't really always compare things. It's really hard to see impact in that way because say it costs, you know that it costs 600 euros to save a child's life for a year or two um, or give them like a livelihood for a year or two or you can remodel your kitchen like you, all, you will always be given these trade-offs in life. Like you will, you will always be presented with what you could have done better with this. And it's just interesting because all these topics that I would have just, I only knew how to say at that time in these topics, I think I reflect on it now, kind of realizing the journey I was on. And if I were to describe it in, a, in some kind of chronological way, you know, in work, thinking that everything is about meritocracy, but I don't, I was challenging myself and what that meant. And in that early period, I came across these really interesting concepts um, around impact. And I was like, oh, there, this, there's this thing called double bottom line and triple bottom line that came to me. And it was this beautiful utopia that we could bring in this real world. And I was thinking, why, why aren't we all doing that already? Microfinance is an awesome way of, you know, running finance. It's also finance. Why aren't we considering that? And, you know... And, and thinking like there's also ROI on that and trying to just chase after learning more about these things and trying to dive into that world of um, work and that world of business and thinking that business solves so many problems in this world. And so when I was on that chase, I had this beautiful journey of coming to life, all these new concepts and how many people out there are working on different supporting models to help with this concept around measuring impact around finance financing impact and impact investing and etc but i think you hit a point when you work in it long enough and hard enough you also hit a point of disillusionment and it's sort of like where all the inflection kind of hits and you you go on a downward turn it's sort of around um all these things i think i'm doing that's good is it enough? Mm. Um, am I being the most efficient with my resource of time, of money, of my own money, of somebody else's money? And all these questions led to like this breakdown moment almost, you know, of like, and the moment sadly was not just a moment. Mm. <laughs> like a song could not pick it up, right? It was like a moment over a couple of years actually. And you're just wondering, you're challenging everything that works today and then you meet people on different part of that journey some who are maybe in the earlier part and there's and they're just saying that there's all these trends out there around social impact and they're just presenting me with a very positive mindset and I to add to that then you add the mental shame that I get for feeling bad about being lost in this world of in the world of impact and the world of responsible business and then you I think in all of that, you kind of pinball fashion, you kind of pinball around and you don't, sometimes you feel good and sometimes you don't, sometimes you're lost and um, I'm on this search for things. And then you, you get a mix of, you get a mix of cynicism, you get a mix of nihilism and you get a mix of optimism. And I think if you put all these together, you know, you're really confused and it's really hard to say where you actually sit. But there is a state of being to describe all of this. And we're still on this exploration for it, if you will. So 
stay tuned and i and i'm curious where you guys are where the listeners are like where do you sit on the path have you kind of quote unquote graduated from from this please tell me that you graduate from this one day <laughs> or um you know what i think i'm hypothesizing here is you never really graduate is that you constantly or maybe you graduate and then you go back to another course and you constantly hit with courses that you didn't really know that you were signing yourself up for um and i think all of these were just hitting me in the face you know uh and I think what's really helpful, and I didn't have the right tool kit perfectly set out in front of me, but I do think I did something right. I must have done something right to meet the right people, to meet people like you, Marin, to meet people who helped remind me to be this stubborn optimist, even in moments when I was in different places. And you're also somebody who kind of says it's okay to be in those places, validating you in those places or validating me in those places because it also doesn't help you know when I'm telling somebody that you're having a hard time with these things and yeah we all know that mental path you tell somebody you're having a tough day and someone goes just be happy (laughs) that's uh that's the worst thing that's not what you want to hear but I really think that what you've said and even in the way that you said it so many people are feeling like that I resonate with what you're saying and I think about these trade-offs and this idea of compassion uh, burnout or what is it called compassion fatigue or empathy burnout you know I have a friend and she does a lot of activism in the queer youth community and you know she's managing where people have some struggles with their mental health and that's a huge burden to carry and she's very passionate and she said you know sometimes you feel like nothing you do is enough And so you keep pushing and pushing, but it's not enough. And I'm like, she's at the coalface doing so much. And if she's feeling like that, you know, what hope do any of us have but to find a way, a a workable narrative to not have this overwhelm or Mm. to manage the overwhelm because it it comes and goes, right? Even if you do find ways of reconciling. So I love how you've articulated that. And I love that you've created that space for me as well where we can just talk about these things and Mm. have this it's very concrete in some ways but it's very existential in other ways um but i love that we're doing our best to put things in place in our lives whether it's you know the the kinds of projects that we're working on the conversations that we're having how we're utilizing our time or our skills or and resources our money i think that's a big part of it as well because i know people who get to their you know, late 30s, 40s, particularly, and they end up in this existential crisis. And they're saying, okay, well, I've just been climbing the corporate ladder for this long, but it's meaningless. Or why why am I doing this? And then they kind of just change path, which is fantastic to be able to do that. But I think, how do you integrate it into your everyday life so that, you know, maybe you don't have to throw everything up in the air? Or get to the point where you get to the point where you realize, okay, this is an existential crisis. I'm overwhelmed. You know, before that happens, can we take one step back and say, what can I do now? Like I always go back to this very practical application. I'm a very steak on the plate. I always say steak on the plate, though I'm a vegetarian. <laughs> but steak on the plate, hard action points of what can we do? Exactly. I think I'm the waitress in that aspect. You know, I'm high up like wondering what would you like to eat and (laughs) no I don't think so like I mean part of it is and you need to have those conversations Mm. it's you know I see why people come to you and they want to have these conversations because you provide that psychological safety that outlet for people to be able to just say this is how I'm feeling about this right and And it is overwhelming sometimes you need something that you can do to move forward because you can be in your head too much at least as much like I, I'm someone who really admires and respect people who think a lot about their actions before they do it I think sometimes to a fault and I've come to learn that actually and sometimes you can really be in your head too much and I think I if they, I've learned much about myself um, is that I think I need to get out of my head and just do something sometimes and just get to it uh, whether it is something light or something that addresses that that deep need that I need and just like start doing something that has impact whether it's the most efficient or not just do it because sometimes you just have to live out your live outside of your head to move on and you know I recently listened to a podcast that um, a colleague of mine shared 
in my network. Uh, the podcast is called On Being with Krista Tippett. And the podcast is with Jonathan Rosen on integrating our soul system and society. And that one was really nice because they make a point out of the difference between optimism and hope. And I quite like that. And they were discussing it a little bit. And I don't think there was too, it's not very important to make them very distinct per se, but I think it was really helpful to see that it can be different. And in this way, for um, her at least on the podcast, and I think it is for me as well, because optimism is something that I have from day to day. Some days I'm not really sure what I'm doing, but I still think I should do it. And I think I realize now it's because I still have hope underneath all of it. It's underlying all of that you have hope for this better world and you have hope in believing that this vision is still worth a try even if it's not going to go well whereas i feel optimism you know i think it's really good for people to have optimism whether it's balanced more towards it or not but i just think for me i misread optimism sometimes and it's almost like i was so sensitive to people who were just falsely optimistic where i didn't know if they were truly believing in it like underneath it all or if they were just you know for the lack of a better word right now Mm. being shallow about it and surface level about their about their hope but I I like these differences because then I feel like um, I always have hope but some days I'm going to be less optimistic than other days but I I also trek on those days most likely (laughs) I really like that distinct distinguishing between hope and optimism I would say I have a certain level of hope But I also believe in the diffusion of responsibility. Mm. You know, it's like that sometimes people expect that someone else will do something and that's how it's going to get solved. And maybe it's egotistical or maybe it's just being proactive. But I also think I believe in the whole if it's meant to be, it's up to me. And so I think everything that I do can have an impact and whether it's one person that will impact another person and so on and so forth so even though i feel this overwhelming sense of like when it comes to climate change it's just like oh god where do you even begin to address this problem and part of me goes oh i hope that some scientist is going to find a way to you know combat co2 and Mm. you know come up with new technologies because we are so reliant on technologies being created in order to slow down the earth's warming Right. You know, and that you, you, especially in Australia and so many places in the world, you're sort of at the coal face of this is climate change happening right now. And yeah. it, we're really lucky that we're in a society in Norway where we don't have to have the conversation about whether climate change is a thing. Right, right. And also people are focused on what can we do about it in a, in a way that provides growth, right? Because it's, it's more scary to talk about what we shouldn't do than to say what we can do. So I think we like to focus on the the kind of add add-ons in this world to help solve it, which I think has its point as well to trigger the economics of it all. I think spiritually maybe we can search inwards on how how maybe it's not about doing more. I've still yet to see like how that translates in the market, but I do think climate change it's also good for business. That narrative works way better. And, you know, all for it if that's also what solves the case for us. But I do think there is also a spiritual side where we can ask ourselves it, if it's maybe not about adding. Mm, I really like that because I'm just thinking off the top of my head, what are the things during COVID that we've seen that stripping back has made things better? Like not going into the office, having more flexibility, because we can't be around people, so there's less travel, all of these kinds of things. I remember uh, at the start of COVID reading an article about dolphins being in the canals in Venice. And obviously they weren't dolphins, but the whole point was the water is becoming clearer. There is, you know, just having less people and less traffic in the canals. Right. And this is, there's been plenty of flow on effects and evidence to show that by doing less, that has impacted positively for the environment. Um, yeah, and our mental well-being, right? Yeah, absolutely. And so I really love this whole minimalist mindset of how mm. can we reduce? You know, I'm thinking about that as well in terms of how do I reduce, you know, being a consumer. I often reflect on this fact that we're treated like consumers. 
And I remember in my days of marketing when people would say, we have to talk to the consumer or the customer. I think customer's better. But I fucking hate that. Mm. Like we are reduced to how much we consume Mm. and that then affects GDP. And GDP is such a poor metric for being able to see the health of the world in Mm. all its means. You know what? I I also really want to mention this, but probably have to table the topic for another time. On one hand, we're called the consumers and it's likely sort of dehumanizing. And on the other hand, I've been thinking we've been we're called human resources. Mm. We're resources like, yeah. you know, as if you can just dig us up. And it's just a constant <laughs> reminder that we're so um, manufactured yes. and we're so um, it's it, it's so weird. My so dad expendable. uses. Sorry, you said that again. I just had to say, we're so expendable. That's the word I was looking for. It just reminds me. Oh, oh, Marin, she broke her arm. She broke something. Like as a as a piece of item, you broke. Let's get another one. Yes. You know, off the shelf. That's why I think it's so funny is my dad has always called it human remains. <laughs> and I think that's why I think of the same thing. It's like you are a resource and it's like... And then on the other side, we have this movement of human-centered design, but it's all to make us consume. Yeah. It's like, how do we put the human at the center? And it's like, are we really putting the human at the center or are we just trying to elicit emotions in humans so that they buy more or they work harder or they Mm. consume or they have uh, employee loyalty or customer loyalty? Wow, this is the modern idealist in us, right? Because the question you ask right now is so great, but, you know, as consultants, both of us as consultants, like... You and I also know that going into all of these conversations that when we work with startups or corporates, it's about how can we scale their new product or, you know, even if we do care about the human and the planet aspect of it, it will, you know, the proposals we make to an organization will always be about how can we bring scalability and growth for them, right? And profitability for them as well. So it's got to be this win-win. It's um, and I think mm. the modern idealist in us, th- this must be a depiction of the modern idealist be- in us because it gives that kind of cognitive dissonance every now and then. That we, I'm guessing that you would embody just like I do sometimes. And it's funny that you say that because coming back from Australia, I really reflected on, I think I'm very lucky when it comes to the kinds of clients I get to work with. And I'm really lucky that I get to work with non-for-profit organizations focusing on environment, uh, humanities, renewable energy companies like this and it makes me feel a sense of like yes this is the kind of work that energizes me I think there's also something in this whole idea of yeah grow 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 I'm just thinking as you're saying that every company has these targets of how they want to grow and expand and it is better say using technology or being more innovative or having more environmental practices or better diversity and inclusion these kinds of things but I really am thinking now and reflecting on this minimalism I think there is a way or I want to reflect on this term of corporate minimalism and how doing less can actually create more Mm. so I'm gonna chew on that thought a bit because I I really like what you're saying here and I like how you (laughs) I like how you put it together because it it's about you said doing less to create more and because i was going to say huh share that to the shareholders you know (laughs) sell that to the shareholders but i do think there's something about creating more with doing less as well sometimes and if we can kind of if we can crack that here Mm. (laughs) i think that Mm -hmm. would not only help our minds but it would be straight up impactful in in the market so uh, i'm really mindful that i have taken you know, my little section of Valerie's corner here into a whole whirlwind. I really wanted to add the most recent part of my journey that I've really appreciated is realizing the humor and the joy aspect of it. And thankfully for me, I've met, you know, people like you who I can talk to so openly about it. And also I've created the right kind of, you know, Congress around me on these topics. And they give me ideas of how to make fun of it, make light of it, make joy of it, and find humor inside all of this. We've talked about, you know, the, you know, trying to go on this zero waste life. And definitely there's a lot of jokes about this <laughs> shitty piece of deodorant that I'm still using. I'm so done with it after this one. So 
if you're out there creating zero waste deodorant, please make a better version. I'm not going to blow the brand out on who's not doing great. Maybe we can do a review another day, mm. but you know, I think the brand is trying. It's just, it didn't work after half of it was gone. So anyways, uh, more on that later. And I just wanted to reinforce uh, how great this podcast that I listened to was. Again, it was called On Being with Krista Tippett. And the show episode show was called Jonathan Rosen, Integrating Our Souls, Systems, and Society. Do go check it out. If you like these topics, you would like those as well. And a really important conclusion that they came to, because it's, it's a really intelligent show, and the conclusion that they came to that added to where I think my mental state is, is um, Jonathan Rosen, he shares that, you know, he really envisions being a more nimble or, you know, we live in this world where so many people are in different states of mind about different things. And if we can just train ourselves to be more nimble and more generous in general to cross all the different worlds, then the hope would be much greater for all of us. Mm. I really want to give you your time of your soapbox, Marin. <laughs> what is your reflection on, you know, what the uh, modern idealist has been? I, I, I like the Marin soapbox. There are times where I'm just like, this is my opinion on this. And I, you know, I remember when I was in politics, people would joke about me sucking the oxygen out of the room because I was so passionate about a particular thing and I just had to sit there and like, you know, get on my soapbox about it. But I'm, I'm my soapbox is a little a different today. It's okay. Sorry. I brought a tank of oxygen. I'm going to send you like three tanks of oxygen. <laughs> oh, you're going to need it. Oh, there's so many more. Like I could have gone on the soapbox path when we started talking about this, like consumerism and just like, you know, being these domesticated kind of humans that just stay in our little pen and behave a certain way and building on what you're saying or what, what the podcast said. I didn't get to that stage. I, I did halfway through um, and I really enjoyed what I listened to as well. Miss Halfway Podcast. <laughs> People might do this to our podcast. You never know. We should check it. And uh, I was thinking about, they talked about transcending. So going out of your bubble. Mm-hmm. And I think that's what's really important. If your bubble is environmental impact, but you don't know much about diversity, inclusion, um, equity, belonging, these kinds of concepts, maybe check those out. You know, if it's also looking into. Or like war now. Yes. Oh, God. Yeah. I mean, that's a pretty key one. If you haven't already been observing um, what else is going on in the world world before Ukraine. I think yeah. this was, a, a, I would say, for a lot of Europeans or a lot of Western nations as well, realizing the impact in other places that I have liked those conversations I heard someone talking about whataboutism, like what about this and what about that and saying whataboutism isn't necessarily a good thing. But I think it is a good thing to be considering, yes, there is suffering here, but what about this? It's not about taking away from Mm. a particular suffering or hardship that a person or a country is facing or the world is facing people tend to think that when you bring it up they're trying it's as if you're trying to steal the light away right Mm. Um, i agree we can sometimes be more finessed in how we do that because sometimes i have done it the wrong way before as well maybe it's where maybe it was too soon in a conversation but it was never intended to take the attention away from something else as well it was just sort of like how can we also keep in mind that when we are trying to share a story and blow up the urgency on something, we don't also forget others in other corners of the world. Mm. And, and, and people so, don't always get that, though. Yeah, I, I completely agree with you. And I think that's a big part of what the modern idealist or be, like these modern ideals is. It's getting beyond your bubble and looking beyond yourself at the greater impact of what's happening with humanity in all its forms and so I know it's a huge heavy burden to to wear to be doing this all the time and I think we should definitely dive into ways of managing this um, empathy burnout and compassion fatigue these kinds of things but I do think it's really important to educate reflect and then take action so when you don't know about certain topics sometimes it is 
okay, you hear something on a podcast and then it's like, okay, well, maybe this is a start of deep diving a little more into this. I'm really lucky that I have such a diverse group of friends that represent many different communities. So people who are wildly passionate about DEIB, wildly passionate about environment, wildly passionate about queer rights or people with disabilities, neuro, uh, you know, abilities, these kinds of things. And I know, and religious internationalism. So I love that I can draw from these people within my own, it's still a bubble, you know, I'm sure, but it's just maybe a bit of a bigger bubble than Mm. many other people have because it's very colorful. Um, And I think that's a good place to start. I think understanding the human element and human stories is one thing and then so it one way of educating yourself and another way is just you know reading articles looking at facts and figures you know if you're a data person and you're not convinced by an individual story have a look at the data if you're someone who needs to make information stick by hearing the experiences of others find that that opportunity as well i i want to say the human aspect is a really great place they have this um what do you call it not compendium it's it's just a um it's like um uh, hundreds of videos where people talk about their struggles and challenges and you know from uh, experiencing racism or being a white supremacist and, and turning their life around to you know suffering all kinds of challenges and if you don't have the kind of people in your life that you can hear these you know different experiences from this is a really great place to find out how you can understand people outside of your own bubble or who have challenges that maybe you haven't come across so that you can make better decisions or be more empathic or um yeah be just grow as an individual yeah that's a great summary and I'm really curious to hear from our listeners and what you think of our latest landings, let's kind of call it. So if you have any content or ideas, as we've said earlier in the show, please let us know. We would super appreciate that. So I want to move on to the second segment that we have planned for today's show. So a while back, I got Marin these dating cards from the School of Life for her birthday. And just a little note to those of you out there, to those of you intellectual, empathetic, and interesting human beings out there. So what I'm trying to say in a very intellectual way is that Marin is single. (laughs) I was thinking in my head, like, where are you going with this? (laughs) And I think she's ready to flamingo. That was what you used in the first episode. (laughs) So I got her these... um, dating cards from the school of life because we talked about how we, we, we can get to know people in an in- interesting and intriguing way and forget like what it was really about i mean the cards are just super fun anyways mm, i've actually only used them with friends so far but um exactly you mean you don't take these the... onto your first date and, like whip out the deck of cards i would i would totally do that i just haven't been really in a headspace to date <laughs> i'm but just messing sure. i don't i wonder if it, yeah i wonder what people would how people would react to you know if you just whipped out the cards mm. um, i would just be like hey let's have a discussion <laughs> and if they run then that's a filter mm, that's a good one <laughs> actually i think i do some form of the questions already right but i like that okay. these are kind of because they're great questions and for friends alike uh like you mentioned you only play you play them with friends so many times i mean they are really just a set of intriguing questions and game for people to get together um they were made for, you know, on a date, but like anyone really. And it's just an interesting way to get to know somebody and see if there's a connection. And the thing is, similarly, if the topics are really interesting, so it's very similar to the podcast as well. I'll also post the link in our description so you can find these products that the School of Life makes. And they're just an awesome practical philosophy organization. So we've made a little homemade version of these cards and we don't have a full deck, but we do have, I think, like maybe 10 cards ish going for us and like the cards we've separated them out into different levels between easy medium and hard where it's easy is like light to answer it's you can answer straight away medium is a little bit more and hard is kind of where it gets a bit deep so let's jump right into it so Marin, would you like to go first okay am i picking it up to ask you you pick it up and then give it to me okay i will choose 
I hope it's not like the really deep one to start. But. Okay, you've got an easy one. What are your top materialistic wishes? Two. What are my top two? My top two materialistic wishes are sometimes I get really torn between my want to, you know, have a portfolio of properties and invest and do things like this in, in this nature. And also just being able to use my money straight away for impact. Most of the reason I want it is so that I can do things in the future. But obviously there is also a selfish element because I want to have security for myself. Yeah. And I, and I mean, knowing you, I, it makes sense. Like you have a heart in these startups too often and you have a personal hope, right? That things will go in the favor of certain tech and et cetera. So those are your interests and, and you're keeping an eye out in how that world develops. So um, I can imagine that you're not after like the optimal returns rate. Mm. You're after some form of growth and you know realizing your vision but as i i do understand and and i'm sure we can do it you know another time as well is to dive into the differences of these funds because there are sort of funds on purely on, on impact related matters and it's it's like a fun out to create the impact mm. and then you have funds that are like esg and right now they're just risk-based which is saying that they're not ensuring that they create impact they're just ensuring they're not quote unquote harming the world mm. and then you have the traditional ones where they're not measuring anything which they could be you know having a direct negative impact or maybe not but it's just not being measured i do think that's a very interesting space yeah absolutely we should definitely deep dive into that did you have a number two a <laughs> number two, <laughs> number two. <laughs> i'm sorry i just had to say <laughs> you're like what's your number two like, i'm like, like trust me to think of this in this childish space right now? i know <laughs> it was the same when you were like oh, you know our cards are for playing together i'm like mm, that side in my head is just like oh when, playing together yeah. <laughs> take it down to sexual town it's like you know, get well, my it's head funny out because you don't say play anymore. Like, what? What if, like, I left the like the next time I leave the house to, to meet up with you, I say to my husband, "I'm gonna go play with Mary." <laughs> I think he might be a little bit sus on that. Just you know, but oh whatever. God. Okay, either that or I can move on to the next one. I will do my second one and make it very short. But materialistic wishes, I think, is very what I think is very superficial, is just how I look. You know, there's just a certain way that I want to look and be. And I think mm. sometimes I get caught up in that feeling, you know, not good enough or insecure. And I reflect on the fact that it's extremely materialistic and superficial. Mm. And I remember all the, you know, things that I'm doing that go beyond just this physical body mm. that I'm, I've been given. But I really do struggle with that side of materialism, not necessarily like, I have to buy shit all the time or, you know, I'm conscious about the fashion that I wear, but I also try and be sustainable as much as I can. But I could definitely be better on that front. But just the overall materialistic nature of or, and superficiality yeah. of And myself. I mean, you've got a great point because I would say, you know, 10, 20 years ago, um, it may have been more just superficial to say one's looks. But I think today it is a lot more materialistic because people aren't just one thing is to be superficial about it but the other is that you know we sell all these things to people now you can do this and i i mean i buy a lot of products myself but products is one you've got products you've got uh fillers botox and you've got different forms of plastic surgery emerging and i don't really have any thoughts around it at this moment to be honest because i've got friends for and against and i'm for some of it and not really against others, but more like I'm not sure if I'm ready to use it. Also, I have this phobia from I the love needles. That you said ready. <laughs> it's like assuming that in some time you will be ready. Like I'm not ready yet. But I'm leaving when that space the face open, right? Like if is, I want uh, some kind of you know, uh, yeah. implant, nipping a tuck somewhere <laughs> here or there. <laughs> Um, assuming that one day when I want it, I'm leaving that space open for myself. Yeah, it's like um, when I'm ready. Yeah. <laughs> I wonder. Yeah, I don't, I, I'm not sure where this is. But I headed. think, you know, that LinkedIn uh, video that I sent you and it was like ever frustrated about not having the um, equal pay as men, be more confident. Yeah. And feeling old and, you know, wrinkly under your eyes, like be more confident. And the, it was a great kind of... Um, what's a mockery yeah. on this whole 
movement of um, behind women having to be more confident in order to you know fit into a man's world kind of thing and yeah. kind of dismisses the fact that systemically we have been made to feel inferior in many ways or we have to you know I was talking to um, a friend today and we were discussing the fact that how liberating it's been to be doing online videos and meetings for women because they don't have to get all you know put all their makeup on and get ready and mm. so you think of all the time that's mm. wasted almost by trying to put yourself together and it's so refreshing that you don't have to do it every single day now and um yeah so I think about things like that and yeah I have mixed feelings sometimes I'm like yeah it's really good or uh, I'm definitely not averse to xyz and then I'm like why yeah it's just it's bullshit that we are falling mm. prey to this the expectation i think is bullshit but mm. if we want to you know it there's a lot of reflections about i think the way we've sold ourselves our looks is a bit superficial but there's actually i mean the way we look and to connect like you know mind body and spirit that's ancient right like i think there's a lot more to it's not superficial to look at our bodies and it's it, it's a part of us but I think the way we think of it, like to be, you know, hot on the market. Like, are you being sought after? Are you getting the attention? Is mm, your, are you walking in slow motion in other people's eyes? Like, <laughs> you know, like that maybe. But um, and I'm just saying this out loud as I speak too, because I do think um, we all struggle with it. Mm. Yeah. And there's one thing to be able to self-express, and you know, I like that I'm more, much more experimental. I can be a bit crazy, and I'm not worried about oh, is you know, I'm going to get that client or am I going to do this thing? Like, you know, I have a nose ring, I wear puffy sleeves or right. big pants or, you know, whatever. And I don't feel um, self-conscious about that now, whereas I probably would have before because I wore clothes like, you know, these pencil skirts and outfits where it was like, you know, pouring myself into the clothes until you say when. It's like, when, when, when? <laughs> so it's like really... Um, Tapered. Yeah. And now I feel very liberated in that way. So I think exper ex being experimental as a way of self-expression is yeah. is great if you can do it and without having to spend a lot of money and these kinds of things. But yeah, I think the other side of it is just we have all these messages every day that tell us that we're not good enough unless we buy this or we have that or we use this product or and it's very tiring. Yeah. And I'm definitely, yeah, I definitely fall prey to this kind of materialism. Mm. Should I try one of the questions? If you were offered a job in a company that was basically the opposite of impact, but it gave you a very handsome salary, would you take it? Why or why not? I mean, even outside of impact, I have my interest, right? And it's, it's around digital innovation, strategy work. So if it were for like a tech. No, I'm talking about the opposite of impact. So like say oil and gas, for example. Just straight up. Yeah, like really. <laughs> that's why I said the opposite. I think there's an element here that's worth exploring the net between what I need to fulfill my life and what I could do with the extra time um or the extra money and assuming that it's quite like a nine to five job i would be able to have some hustle time and i could do quite a lot with it that could be interesting because so you can be basically net zero there's <laughs> <laughs> all this impact in oil and gas that is being created by this company and then you do all these really good things on the side exactly and then you come back to square exactly one. i mean i is that a greenwashing well, that's an interesting way of saying because I would I've heard it both ways. Um, usually, I'm quite hard on myself, and I would say like, "Oh, but then I'm I'm, you know, net, only netting myself to do all that work to net myself, which is silly." But then somebody would have told me, "But if you didn't take that job, somebody would have anyways." Mm. So in a way, I don't know if I'm really netting it because at least I'm taking that money, that excessive amount of money, and doing other things with it, and I'm leaving the job that I would have taken in the impact world with somebody doing impact. Um, and I find these mm. um, takes on it uh, always debatable. Um, and so I'm going to go with the one that like, okay, so uh, 
my first thought is of course I won't because I know myself like I'm gonna kill myself in a position like that where I can't justify my day-to-day not just that but the the latter that I'm you know I have a friend who told me and I think it came from somewhere else this quote but it's sort of like don't just climb up any ladder know what house you're climbing up on before Mm. you climb that ladder yeah so I don't want to be climbing the wrong ladder as well that's really important to me and building a network in oil and gas won't help even if I have all this money um but what I am interested in is maybe investing it elsewhere because um the, the the concrete decision that I think a lot of people working for purpose organizations or NGOs or nonprofits end up in a position where we're scraping by often and we have given up some real world cost or given up some real world opportunities and comforts right Mm. um and in that i think i also see the limitations there whereas i've got you know people in my network and friends who don't think about these things and they've got plenty of money to invest around and they can very well invest in very interesting impact solutions whereas you know, I can only invest my time, which we've talked about before. It's still very valuable. And it's probably the more egotistically speaking, rewarding way for me as well, because that's how I want to spend my time. But I am very intrigued by what could I do if only, you know, the value that people bring to the nonprofit sector, to the NGO worlds, the kind of value they can bring if we actually saw it if we actually rewarded it like the private markets right Mm. and so of course like that conversation that thought is always in my head i'll just leave it there so i didn't really really give you a straight up answer but sorry say that again i didn't give you a straight up answer no that was kind of a politician's answer but it was (laughs) i liked it anyway because it's looking at the real like the the spectrum Mm. um yeah because it is really tough it's a you know there's trade-offs both sides and I know I was doing a workshop with an NGO last week and they have very limited budgets because they just rely on everyday donors so they don't have big donor funds or get government funding so every amount every dollar counts or every krona counts for how they're spending their money and so when someone does something really good for the organization so they take money out of their own pocket uh, to cheer on the staff and that's something that they've just chosen to do because they want to create that sense of engagement and motivate their team members and I'm like wow you know um, around these big corporate organizations where it's just like church change to dump like you know a bit of a party or a golf day or whatever and these people are just taking you know bits and pieces out of their own budgets that are already much less than the average corporate salary in order to celebrate their team members and I'm just like wow wow that's admirable very admirable and i and love the idea as well you know something creative to get people involved Mm, but i just the when you think about the fact that okay if you worked in a job where you had you know this kind of salary you know maybe that could set you up because of the money that you could save Mm. to be able to do good things with it but then at the same time i also look at people who these investors that come from oil and gas and they're all like oh i want to turn things around and give back and i'm like I don't know. I'm a bit of a cynic. Uh, yeah. It's not that I'm not like, yeah, okay, let's get involved. Mm. Involved, but I am cynical yeah. that you know they had all this power in these dirty industries that, you know, in the case of Norway, for example, have done a lot of benefit to the society. Absolutely, and there's a lot of like, so it's a yeah. Look at me as the hero. You know, mm. I, I it's like, okay, come on, guys. Anymore articulately. So okay, Marin, I have a question. If this were a game and this were a date. Would, would we get a second date? Ooh, would we get a second date? Mm, yes, I would say definitely. That's I would lovely. I would date you, just saying, <laughs> <laughs> in general. But if this was the it first date so and true. I didn't know anything else about you, I would We'd say... we get a second date. I would say yes to a second Even date. Even though I'm a politician, potentially. <laughs> <laughs> no, because it was a good... <laughs> I'm just being in the world of politics. I just think, you know, that was the most... That was so tactful. It was so tactful. I can just see how you would be so good at, like, facilitating, uh, you know, my in Twitter your work. skills and I'm almost there. <laughs> All right, well... I'm just going to say as well, since... You know, if people are interested in having some cars like this, especially around 
these modern ideals, do write to us and make some suggestions because we would love to put them in our own deck and eventually have those, you know, um, as a resource for you guys as well. So Yeah, or maybe we can just play it on the show right away mm. as well. Absolutely. That would be an awesome idea. And we will credit you. So if you come up with some, send it our way. Woo! Okay, there's my productive woo again. <laughs> that does it for this episode. Thank you guys for listening. And if you've liked what you've heard so far on our podcast, do let us know and follow us on whatever podcast platform you're listening on. Yeah, we absolutely love hearing from you and hearing your stories. We are so grateful for the feedback we've received so far. And like we said before, we don't want to be in an echo chamber. So please share your ideas on how we can do better. Uh, if you know anyone who should be on the show or you'd like to be on the show or creative suggestions and ideas like we would love this to be a collaborative environment where we can kind of interact with you as well absolutely so connect with us on instagram send us a message on linkedin or whatever floats your boat we'll put all the profiles in our description we love connecting on all the mediums and we'll be sure to be good at bonding we've been good so far and excited just to hear from you we're really excited to share with you the upcoming topics and guests we'll be bringing on and thank you for listening Thank you. Until next time.